Hello world, my name is Hannah and this is my world where I am going to be humble, open, and transparent about my journey as the wife, the mom, and the boss. Hello world and welcome back. So today I want to talk to you guys about uh, the mask of positivity and you're probably like, Hannah, what? Um, I've actually been wanting to talk about this uh, topic uh, for some time now. And um, it wasn't until I was reading uh, The Professional Troublemaker by Lovey Ajayi Jones that I came across, I think it's in the last chapter, where she coined the perfect phrase for what this episode is going to be about. And she called it toxic positivity. I was actually going to name the podcast or this episode um toxic positivity uh but i decided to to go with my original idea which was the mask of positivity and the reason why i decided to go with the mask of it is because that is what we do we go around with this mask of just being positive and saying that everything is okay um but i love the way that she coined the phrase of it being toxic because it is and in the book she also talks about how Christians are the champions of toxic positivity and we are uh I feel like um we as a body of believers make it difficult for a person to be human and have moments of emotion have moments of fear and have moments of doubt and that's because we like to throw scriptures out at people like rejoice in the Lord at all times and again I say rejoice or count it all joy when trials and tribulations come um, your way or be anxious for nothing like we throw all these different scriptures out um, to encourage but sometimes to a point of where we kind of chastise or rebuke one another or tell a person that they don't have enough faith. Um, one of the first thoughts that come to my mind is a story that my mother in love shared with me uh, years ago. Um, I believe I've shared it with you guys before in the podcast that she was diagnosed with sickle cell anemia and um, ended up uh, transitioning due to complications of it. And so anyways, um, you know, w- If you know anything about sickle cell anemia, uh, there are times that you go into crisis and you end up in the hospital for a couple of days at a time. And so she shared with me how when she was younger and she would go into the hospital, how, you know, family members who were believers would come and, you know, pray for her and everything But then when they saw that she wasn't getting better or that, you know, she was going back into the hospital multiple times, comments like, um, oh, you don't have enough faith were being made. And when somebody tells you that you don't have enough faith for something, that can be insulting because it's like you're believing. But if God is not changing it or working it out in the way that you think it should or that others should does not mean that he's not working. He's still working. And I think that's one of the things that we definitely need to get straight (laughs) or clear with one another in regards to trying to be encouraging to one another in a person's time of need. Because first of all, the Bible says that it, 
that all you need is faith of a mustard seed. So I may not be on avocado seed faith level like you right now, but all I need is mustard seed faith. And that's enough. That is enough for God to work with to allow anything to happen, right? And so for you to tell somebody that they don't have enough faith, it's just like, do I not have faith at all? Because all I need is a mustard seed. And if you ever seen a mustard seed, it's extremely small. So unless I just don't have any, what do you mean I don't have enough faith? I don't have what? And so that could, like I said, can become very discouraging to a person who is going through because you're saying stuff like that. You know, um, it's just like the, I believe it was the centurion and um, he, you know, Jesus was talking to him and Jesus was saying that anything is possible to they that believe. And he specifically said to the Lord, help my unbelief because I can be believing for something. But in the back of my mind, there's just that slight doubt. And I know that you can't, you know, the Bible says that you can't be like the wavering of the sea that it's either you're going to believe or you're not. But it's not even a situation where you're not believing. It's just like that area of your mind that you're struggling to just be in all faith. You know what I'm saying? To to not look at the circumstance at all. To not be succumbed by the situation or the 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 depths of the situation that you're at, in, at hand. And, you know, going back to this just being positive all the time, it's like, almost to say that you don't have any real feelings or you can't be true or authentic to the feelings that you're having, that you're having fear, that you're having doubt. Um, You know, Lovey said it in her book as well that, you know, it's because we as believers, generally speaking, feel like fear and faith cannot coexist. And so because they can't coexist, if you have any type of fear in your life, then you don't have faith. And that's not true because in all honesty, like fear is not necessarily the opposite of faith. Um, I think it's more so, and I've shared this with you guys before in in an episode, um, it's more so certainty is the opposite of faith. And and fear is like a um, result of not having certainty because it's because you don't have the certainty. You don't know how things are going to turn out. You don't know what is going to happen that you fear the unknown. So I don't necessarily think that fearing the unknown means that you don't have faith because for those who still do it scared that they're doing it in faith, not knowing how it's going to turn out. So it's just like, I, I'm afraid of not knowing what's going to happen, but I'm not going to allow the fear to stop me. I'm going to just do it scared because I know that God is with me. Hello. So if I'm able to do it scared and still have faith that God is going to be with me in the midst of it all, how can fear and faith not coexist? How can they not go hand in hand with each other? You know, when I think about scripture where God tells us to be encouraged, um, to to not fear because he is with us, that's him encouraging us saying, listen, you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. I got you. But that's not him saying that, 
you know, like him, he's telling us to not be afraid because he's with us. But he's saying that because he knows that we're fearful. He's like, you don't have to be. I know that you are, but you don't have to be because I'm with you. If you just rely in that and believe in that, you can go. It's just like when he told Gideon, when when he sent the angel to go to Gideon first. And, and, um, and the angel was telling Gideon that, you know, Hey, you know, you mighty man of valor and Gideon is just like, who, who are you talking to? Like, I am the least, first of all, I come from a tribe that's the smallest <laughs> of all the tribes. And then I'm the least of that tribe. And, and you're calling me a mighty man of valor. You're telling me that I'm the one that's supposed to go forth. And the Lord told him, go in the strength that I've given you. A lot of times we don't know our own strength. We don't know what's inside of us. And so, yeah, we're apprehensive or we're kind of weary about going forward and doing something different. Because, again, we are afraid of the unknown. What doesn't seem familiar, what doesn't feel comfortable we are a little anxious about but then that's when God says be anxious for nothing but through prayer supplication and with thanksgiving make your requests known you know and a little further down it, it he he talks to us about having this this peace right and so no you don't have to be anxious but I know that you will be. That's how I feel like what God is saying. You don't have to be. But I know that you will be, which is why I'm telling you, you don't have to be because I'm with you. Because I'm a provider and I supply all your needs. So whatever you're going to need with whatever venture, whatever avenue, whatever assignment, whatever calling it is that you are trying to complete, I'm with you. I'm working it out for your good. I'm always working. It may not feel good. It may not look good. It may not even look like I'm doing anything. And you're like, God, where are you? But he's still working it out. And so, yeah, if you, because it's all about perspective, right? And I've talked to you guys about perspective plenty of times before. But it it's all about perspective. And yeah, if you are at that level of faith where it's just like, I always and I, it's hard to even use the word always, but just to say majority of the time, I know that I can fall back on these scriptures, right? Which is why we have the Holy Spirit. First of all, let's, let's retract a little bit, which is why you need to read the scriptures so that it can be hidden in your heart. So in those times of feeling discouraged, those times of feeling fearful or being anxious, the Holy Spirit can bring back to your remembrance the scriptures that you've read, which is why it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? You have to first hear it. How can they believe if they don't hear? You have to first hear it. You have to read it. You have to get it in your heart for the Holy Spirit to bring it back to your remembrance so that you can find encouragement to go forward. But I say all of that because all of that comes from studying the word of God, right? All of that comes from reading the scriptures and having it in your heart because that is what, you know, builds your faith. 
going through something, going through a test, going through a trial, that is what builds your faith because then you start to recognize if he did it before, he will do it again, right? But if he's never done it for you, then you really have nothing to rely on or nothing to stand firm on. So something's got to happen. And because it's never happened before, what happens Fear comes in. You're like, whoa, I've never had to deal with a situation like this before. But once you get through it, it builds your faith a little bit. And that's what constantly happens. It's like that saying, and I've shared this with you guys before, you're either in a storm, you're going through a storm, you're coming out of a storm. But it's a cycle. We're constantly going through things because we're constantly having our faith build. Why? Because there's going to be new levels with new situations that are going to cause us to be shaken in our faith. And yeah, there are some of us out there who are not shaken as easily. But please, I would love to know someone who is never shaken in their faith, who never experiences any type of anxiety, who really walks this earth counting it all joy at all times. And the thing is, is that I get back to the beginning of my point, which is, this toxic positivity that, you know, Lovey was talking about in her book. And like I said, I've been wanting to talk about this subject matter for a while because I just feel like sometimes, especially with um, mental health being more, you know, predominant now or that we're more aware of it and we're acknowledging it more and we're talking about self-care more. I really been wanting to talk about this subject because I feel for a lot of times we have a lot of Christians or believers out there who are suffering from mental health silently because they feel like as a Christian, if I say that I'm depressed or if I say that I'm dealing with some things emotionally that is causing me mental anguish, that I'm going to be looked at as less than or that I am not a real believer. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And that is just so disheartening because now we have believers out there suffering in silence because they feel like they can't talk to anybody or when they do talk to someone, they're they're not talking to someone who is sensitive enough to understand this is not a moment where I'm supposed to be pointing out the silver lining, but this is a moment where I am supposed to in um, uh, give out empathy and be in the moment and validate that this is how this person feels because we all act as if, or let me just say, generally speaking, we act as if we don't go through moments of depression ourselves where we're feeling sad or where we're feeling like something is going on. And I've shared this before and said that feelings are real and they were given to us for a purpose. Like we're not supposed to just disregard them. We're not supposed to allow our feelings to lead us or direct us because feelings are temporal and the Bible tells us that. So we're not supposed to be led by our feelings. We're not supposed to be, you know, allowing our feelings to help us make decisions but you feel because feeling means that you can relate to somebody else having feelings yourself means that you can be compassionate it means that you can show empathy to other people but a lot of times we hide the fact that we have negative feelings feelings like depression feeling of being anxious talking about anxiety talking about you know 
having fear, like all these different negative emotions. Oh, no, we're not supposed to think like that. We're supposed to think positive thoughts, things that are lovely and praiseworthy. You know, and we want to quote the scripture about thinking about things that are above and not beneath. Yeah, you're supposed to because you're not supposed to stay in the state of negative feelings, right? The the Bible talks to us about taking every ne- negative thought and in, um into the captive of Jesus Christ. Like we're not supposed to keep entertain these negative thoughts in our heads. But how can we take those negative thoughts into the captivity of Jesus Christ unless we have those thoughts? That scripture wouldn't exist if we didn't even have those thoughts in the first place. If I never had a negative thought, there would be no reason to take it captive. There would be no reason to denounce it. It would be no reason for me to start speaking positivity over my mind and asking God to sustain my mind or asking the Holy Spirit to come in and give me peace in my mind so that I don't think those negative thoughts if I didn't think them. So we need to stop acting as if we're supposed to be positive all the time you know I'm not saying that we're supposed to walk around here like negative Nancy and Debbie Downer no I mean of course yeah you it's after you've been through things and this help this happens or develops in relationship with God not just religion not just going to church on a particular day of the week and listen to your pastor and that's the only time you get into the word I'm talking about when you develop a relationship when you start seeking him diligently when you get into the word for yourself and understand it for yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to give you revelation on what scriptures mean and and there's different revelations out of the same scripture Once you start developing that relationship, then yes, when you find yourself in a situation that is turbulation or that is a trial, that is a test, then you can say, I can count it all joy because you then recognize when I go through a test is to build my endurance is to build my perseverance is to take me to the next level. God, the only reason why I'm going through this right now is because there is something beyond this that you're trying to get to me, but I have to go through this process first. It's after you've read, after you've been through something that you start to understand that. And then you can start and the Holy spirit will help you remember count it all joy because all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. So even though it doesn't look good, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't sound good. I know that eventually it's going to work together for my good. So I can count it all joy because I'm never in lack or in want because he's a supplier of my needs. So even right now, my money may be looking funny and my change may be acting strange and I have this bill coming up and I don't know how it's going to get paid. God, I trust you. But not everybody is at that point yet. We all have our own measure of faith. And so depending on what you've been through, your measure of faith may be large. But for somebody else who hasn't been through a lot or who doesn't have doesn't have the same cup you do. I talked about this before drinking from your own cup. I even, you know, and this is a situation, it's not somebody else trying to drink from our cup. It's kind of like me trying to give you my cup and say, here. Count it all joy. You shouldn't be feeling negative right now. You shouldn't be depressed. You a child of God. Drink from my cup. 
but you're not ready to drink the substance that's in my cup. And that's my immaturity by not recognizing the level of where you are. It kind of brings me um, to the movie. I don't know if you guys seen it. It's called Inside Out. And it's a it's an animation. It was by Disney and Pixar. And there was um, there's these different feelings. Right. And one of the feelings, her name was Joy. And joy reminds me of a lot of Christians that are out here, a lot of believers that's out here in this world where joy just felt like, oh, you always supposed to have joy. You're supposed to count all joy at all times. And what joy failed to realize until later on in the movie was that the other feelings served a purpose. But joy was blocking them because she never wanted the girl who she and I can't remember the, the girl's name, but she didn't want the girl who she was the feeling for to feel anything other than joy. She wanted her to always just be happy and to always think, you know, these wonderful thoughts. But because she never dealt with her feelings of anger, because joy never let her deal with her feelings of loneliness, because she never let her deal with her feelings of fear and anxiety, because she never let her deal with any of the other emotions that she was supposed to feel and experience, it led to destruction. And that's where a lot of us are, or where a lot of us lead other people to when we try to always point out the silver lining. Like, I get it. You're trying to be that accountability partner. You're trying to, you know, be that encourager. You're trying to be that motivator. You're trying to inspire that person to be like, hey, don't stay in the dumps. Don't be down there. And that's great. Because we are supposed to build up and edify one another. We are supposed to be there to help each other and to not let that person stay in that state of mind. But we do need to at least let them process. We do need to let them feel that grief, feel that disappointment, feel that failure, feel that rejection, feel that depression. We have to allow people to feel and we need to acknowledge and validate their feelings and empathize with them. Because if we don't allow people to express, they will suppress. And the more you try to push down, push down, push down, push down, eventually it starts to fill up. And eventually, as it's filling up, it's going to one day implode. And once that explosion happens, that person is going to now need even more care or more therapy than they would have had we just allowed them to feel in the first place. It's kind of like making that person go through denial, like they're denying their feelings. You know, and it's the same thing that happens in relationships when there's a breakdown in communication because now it's like you're so focused on or you haven't been allowed to express yourself you haven't been allowed to experience what you're experiencing or share what you're sharing with the other person and so you're just suppressing and then because you're suppressing eventually that turns into resentment and that's what happens for some believers because when they have other believers telling them, oh, no, you shouldn't feel this way. How could you be depressing? You're a child of God. God has done wonderful things. You're supposed to always find the, you know, the blessing. 
And I get it because in each day that we wake up, there is something to be grateful for. As a matter of fact, the mere fact that you are alive and well and breathing today is something to be grateful for. But at the same time, if you're finding a hard time in acknowledging that, then we need to acknowledge where you are. We need to acknowledge what you're dealing with right now, because if you just fake the funk and be like, okay, as a believer, I can't even express to anybody that this is where I am and this is what I'm feeling. So I'm going to put on this mask and act like everything is cool. Everything is gravy and that I'm all right. And I'm just suppressing, suppressing and suppressing. And then eventually I break and I fold. And this is why a lot of times we're just like, man, if I had known, like, why didn't they say something? They tried to. They tried to say something, but you threw the Bible at them instead of actually being there for them. And I think that's what we we sometimes get mixed up as following the example of Christ. Because even when the Sadducees and the Pharisees always tried to, you know, not trick, but try to capture Jesus in a, in a moment, like that time that he was walking through the grain fields with his disciples and they were, you know, pulling grain and eating it. And the Pharisees were like, oh, it's on the Sabbath and they're, they're pulling grain. That's work. And Jesus was like, so, but they hungry though. <laughs> like, are, am I just supposed to let them starve? Like Jesus was there to meet the need. And I feel I feel like this is where we go rogue and not really follow his example. I even posted this on Facebook maybe about a month ago, maybe even two, when I was saying that um, I, I put up a post, something similar to the fact of how, you know, Jesus is our example and we're supposed to be following him. But what if our interpretation of his lead is wrong? Because if our interpretation of the example he set is wrong and we're out here trying to live his example, then we out here living a false example because of our wrong interpretation. Jesus was about meeting the needs of people. And if somebody is going through something, if somebody is feeling depression, if somebody is feeling like anxiety and we just throwing the Bible at them like, oh, count it all joy, but not meeting the need. Why are you feeling depressed? Let me be a listening ear. I'm not a therapist, nor am I a counselor. But listen, I I can listen. I can sit and listen and then be like, hey, let's find you a resource. Let's find you a therapist that can help you because it seems like you have a lot of stuff that you're going through. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to have some scriptures. I'm going to be there to help you. And I'm going to definitely intercede on your behalf and pray for you. But at the same time, I know that you also need something tangible. It's just like when you meet somebody on the street who is hungry. We shouldn't just say to the person, I'm going to pray for you. You can meet that need right then and there by giving them something to eat. Not just saying, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, let me give you a couple of scriptures. That, that's not going to help them. Let me meet the need first. Let us meet the need first so that we can help that person and not just leave them feeling like they're by themselves. This is why a lot of people feel like they are by themselves in this world because especially believers, because of the fact that we can't be our authentic selves with one another. We have a tendency, and I'm saying we because we are one body, right? 
the the Bible tells us that we are um, members of one body. We're various members. We all have our different parts. You know, we we have our different roles to play, but we are all a part of one body. So I'm saying we speaking generally that we collectively don't do a very good job with being there for one another because we're kind of quick to be judgmental. I'm not saying if I'm not speaking to you specifically, then it doesn't apply. But as that old saying say, a hit dog will holler. So if you got a problem or if you feel in some kind of way with what I'm saying, then maybe you might need to step back a moment and reflect. How are you with your friends? How are you with other people who come to you to share their struggles or what they're going through? How do you respond? Are you empathetic? You know, I and I get it sometimes that we talk about having tough love for people too, but I think we also need to make sure that we're being discerning with our tough love. Is this a moment for tough love or is this a moment to just sit in the moment with the person, sit in the feelings with the person? You know, we have a lot of hurting Christians. We have a lot of hurting believers because they feel alone, because they feel like they are or they have been made to feel like they're not a real believer or a real Christian because of the fact that they have feelings and there are times where they feel sad and depressed. Jesus was sad. Jesus was sad and cried when Lazarus died and he knew he could bring him back, but he shed a tear. You know, um, Jesus also felt anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was sweating blood like he felt anguish and he was Christ. He knew that, hey, I'm about to do this to save them. I have to do this. This is what my father told me to do. And I know that I am going to come back in three days with all power in my hand. But he still felt anguish. We are allowed to feel anguish. We are allowed to feel fear. We are allowed to feel doubt. We are allowed to feel. We just can't stay in those feelings forever. We have to get out. Why? Because we know that our God is mighty. We know that greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. We know that God is with us. And if he is with us, who can be against us? We know these things. So because we know these things, we can't stay in that feeling of negativity for forever, but we are allowed to feel it. We don't have to brush it away and pretend like it didn't happen. It happened. You went through it. You felt it. And then now when the next person is going through it, you can relate to that person because you had a similar experience. We just need to show compassion to one another and allow each other to be authentic. Uh, I don't know why we don't allow each other to be authentic or why we put up this mask to, to make it seem like as Christians, we have to be positive all the time. I mean, Jesus wasn't even positive all the time. There were times he got angry. He was flipping over tables and he got upset. God gets upset. So why? I mean, the Bible even says when angry. So that lets me know that, hey, God's like, I know you're going to get angry. But when you get angry, sin not. Try to make sure that you have your senses. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you to control and manage your emotions so that you don't sin in your anger. 
emotions are real. They were given to us for a reason and we are allowed to feel them and we need to allow other people to feel them and not make them feel bad for feeling them. Let's stop judging one another. The Bible even says not to judge it because it, it, with the same measure that you judge other people, so you shall be judged. And I don't think there's any one of us out here who has not felt negative emotions before to be judgmental of other people. You know, like Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he who without sin cast the first stone, he who without emotions cast the first stone. Seriously. Anyway, I just wanted to share that because I just feel like there's so many of us who are going through things like I, I recently did a podcast about don't do life alone. But it's kind of hard to tell a person not to do life alone when the person feels like there's nobody out there willing to listen or empathize with them with where they are or even, you know, acknowledge the fact that, hey, I'm not less of a Christian just because my faith is not on the same level as yours. Let's remember. Let's try to be reminded of the fact that we all have our own measure of faith and we need to stop judging one another for not being on the same measure or not being on the same level of faith as ourselves because you, what you have gone through is not the same what somebody else has gone through so your faith may have been tested more and that's because of the calling or the assignment that's on your life you know what I'm saying your cup is not my cup and my cup is not the next person's cup. We need to all remember that we got to drink from our own cup and let others drink from theirs. But yes, together, iron sharpens iron. So we are supposed to encourage one another. But I understand the difference between being an encouragement to somebody and also like being judgmental of that person. Anyways, I hope y'all got something out of the podcast uh, today. It is always my prayer that you do. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you can. I love a review. So you can go ahead and review. I think you're only allowed to review on like maybe um, uh, iTunes. I don't think Spotify allows you to review. But hey, you can send personal reviews to uh, listener letters. Let me know what you feel and what you think about the podcast today and the episode. So anyways, you can connect with me, um, through Gmail at Hannah's world zero zero at gmail.com. You can connect with me on Facebook at Hannah's world. And you can also connect with me on Instagram at Hannah's world zero zero. And for my YouTubers out there, Hey, if you like what you heard, click the like button, click the thumbs up, um, also share with a friend, let them hear it too. You might know somebody who might need to hear this. So share it with them and click notifications so that you're always notified when an episode drops. All right. Until next time. Peace out world.